I'm here with Delegate Scott Garrett, uh, Chairman of the HWI Subcommittee. I'd like to welcome welcome him. I uh, wanted to catch up about House Bill 793. Uh, Delegate Garrett was gracious enough to offer a uh, really comprehensive substitute uh, with Delegate Roxanne Robinson's bill. Um, Delegate Garrett, tell us a little bit about what that substitute does and how important it is that we move the ball forward uh, and make sure that there are really good components and, and parameters for House Bill 793. Sure, Ralston. I'm happy to be with you and uh, all of our uh, uh, colleagues uh, today on this particular issue. And let me just step back a bit. Ever since I got elected 2010, nine years ago, eight years ago, um, we every year seem to address these issues on uh, folks that wish to expand their scope of their practice. And uh, we have discourse and folks that that uh, intend to or want to practice primary care or perhaps even specialty care uh, and uh, and use, they always argue that they want to practice to the full extent of their training and their education. Um, our colleagues, I'm a general surgeon in Lynchburg, uh, like, like many of my colleagues, we went through four years of college and four years of medical school and in my case five years of residency training and uh, we're fully competent and capable uh, and uh, through our training to, to take care of some complex and complicated things. I understand when folks say they want to take care of 90 or 95 percent of the problems, but the reality of it is every day as we see issues in our offices, in our hospital settings, we don't know which of those four or five percent of the things are actually complex or complicated. Uh, we've had uh, discourse and discussions. The Medical Society of Virginia has been a leader every year in making sure that we shine light on uh, the pros and the cons of changing the scope of practice uh, for all these various different providers. The specific issue, issue that was before us this year deals with nurse practitioners and our nurse practitioner friends, many of which work collaboratively with us in great relationships and truly do extend our footprint and we have a great need for even more providers uh, in the underserved areas, Southside Virginia, Southwest Virginia, along the valley. Uh, they've been great collaborators with us. Uh, their effort this year is to um, become uh, licensed to, to, to be able to have an independent practice. We heard a lot of uh, those concerns raised from our colleagues uh, about um, those issues. And let me tell you basically, and the Medical Society of Virginia was instrumental in making sure at those conversations uh, our physician community had a seat at the table and had a very loud voice about how these issues are going to move for, forward. So let me tell you now just for folks uh, what the current bill uh, does. Um, right now, as folks know, an individual can get their registered nurse degree typically after four years of training and then can take two other years, sometimes online, and get their master's degree and become a nurse practitioner. When the nurse practitioners, the original bill said that six months after that point in time, they would now be able to be licensed to be independently practicing um, primary care or psychiatric right. care uh, in, in anywhere in the Commonwealth. And that was uh, that that clearly was not acceptable uh, to the General Assembly. Uh, through leadership of the Medical Society of Virginia, a lot of conversations, uh, we've amended that to say, no, you need at least five years of clinical experience with your collaborator uh, after that uh, time in which you get your master's degree to, to now be able to apply to get uh, licensure to practice independently. In addition to that, there needs to be an attestation or an affirmation by your physician collaborator, 
The original bill said that your nurse practitioner that you collaborate with could attest that you were competent and capable and safe uh, to practice, uh, in this case, primary care or what in, in uh, the, our communities. Uh, the current iteration says, no, that attestation needs to be by your physician collaborator. Your practice needs to be in the same field of licensure that you were studying for the last five years. So if you've been practicing in primary care, then your and your physician collaborator attests that you're competent and capable of, of practicing independently in primary care, then your licensure would be designated as such um, as well. You also have to have a plan for referring these complex cases, uh, the uh, how you're gonna deal with consultations, how you're gonna deal with emergencies, this is just common sense. Most of our hospitals require this in our policies around the Commonwealth. We felt it was very important, though, to make sure that the public understands uh, and that the nurse practitioner community and our physician community uh, understands how these particular issues are going to be dealt with. We also felt very strongly there needs to be a requirement for medical malpractice coverage. Right. Uh, this is a common sense issue that's important for our nurse practitioners, just as it is for the public to make sure uh, that um, if and when something untoward happens, uh, that uh, there, there are safeguards in place to, make, to, to address that issue. Um, we've also put into place a process whereby the joint boards, the Board of Medicine and the Board of Nursing, will develop the regulations uh, going forward whereby the, the nurse practitioners would be licensed to practice independently. And I think it's important for your listeners to understand that those regulations are going to be at the same level as the Board of Medicine. So right. the opioid guidelines, working with the uh, prescription monitoring program, these very critical elements that are sometimes pretty onerous on us uh, as, as practitioners, uh, those same guidelines uh, will be um, determined by the Board of Medicine in conjunction with the Board of Nursing. That's right. And then uh, lastly, uh, Ralston, um, we also, the driver for this for many in the General Assembly and why I think this really got uh, moved this far forward this year was the, the hue and cry that we've got to do something for access to care, particularly in rural parts of, of Virginia. Again, Southside Virginia, Southwest Virginia, along the valley. And uh, the nurse practitioners um, said loud and clear, no, our nurse practitioners will now locate and, and practice independently in these communities and meet a lot of that need. We wanted to make sure that we understood that where those areas are, are going to be positively impacted. And so there's a requirement for the Department of Health Professions to give a, a report on the workforce data, specifically where folks are going to be locating geographically and, and what types of practices they're going right. to have, primary care, psychiatric. So it's a little long-winded, and I apologize for that, but that pretty much lays out what the current iteration of the bill does. That was an excellent overview. Thank you for that, Delegate Garrett. And then in addition, there were also pieces on title protection and making sure that if somebody walks into a nurse practitioner's independent office, they see after their name, Dr. So-and-so, comma, NP, which I think is even critical to protect the public. So I think those are very important components of the legislation. And again, thank you so much for carrying that substitute. That was vital. What can the physician community do moving forward on making sure that, look, we've got the DHP report coming out in another four years. What do they do to try to push this along for this year? And then hopefully we come back, you know, in another four or five years and we understand where have the NPs gone and what are some of the things that they can do for the next four years, talking about access to care and also remaining for the final uh, half of this session? 
Ralston, I think there's several things. Uh, uh, the physicians that currently are collaborating and already are in a patient care team collaborative relationship with nurse practitioners, they need to continue to work within that relationship and work collaboratively with the nurse practitioners that are going to continue to work with them. Because um, I don't believe that all nurse practitioners come July 1st of 2018 when this bill would go into effect, should it pass completely through the General Assembly and be signed by the governor. I don't believe that all nurse practitioners are going to choose to independently practice. Right. So our physician community needs to know they, th that um, the work that they're doing collaboratively today has great merit and is really providing and meeting That's a right. lot of that need. Our physicians also need to know this, and it's quite simple. The world is run by those that show up. The world is run by those that show up. They are incredibly uh, well represented in, by organized medicine through the Medical Society of Virginia and the lobbying community that uh, is retained to, uh, to get to the various different legislators. I'm blessed as a physician and for 30 years in this, uh, in this arena. I understand a lot of these issues, but um, we, need, we need to get that uh, communication to all members of the House of Delegates as well as to the Senate. So uh, having all of our physicians weigh in on this, um, the good, bad, and the ugly. Let, let your legislators, your representatives know where this is working and, and certainly let them know if there's areas or concerns that folks have. That's right. And, and Delegate Garrett, and how vital is it for after session if this bill were to pass. How do we get that voice out there and, and show the public and other legislators um, how do we solve access to care? Because we know for a fact that it has not been proven to be solved by nurse practitioners just practicing independently. There are a variety of other issues that, that reflect when access to care is not solved. So what can we do, whether it's from communications, getting in front of legislators, sending letters to the editor? Tell us some of those things that you see as the most important and influential. So I think you've delineated them quite well. Um, However you can and do communicate, whether it's verbally or in written word or emails, um, communications with uh, representatives, communications in Richmond with